Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul take refuge. In the shadows of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to the Most High God, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions, and I lie in amidst fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps, and my soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. January 1st, 2023. Here we go. A new year. Are you ready for it? I've been pondering when I thought of this. Actually, I was pondering at 4.30 a.m. this morning, 2023. Here we go. Anybody stay awake all night? Uh, anybody? How many of you stayed awake till 12? I did not. <laughs> I was out long before that. But I was awake at 4.30, and I was thinking... How many of you remember where you were 40 years ago on this day? January 1st, 1983. How many of you were not even around in 1983? All right. I was. I remember very clearly. Um, At that time, I was a youth pastor for one year in California uh, between my grad years, my seminary years. And I'd flown from California to Chicago uh, to be with Lori uh, in Northwest Illinois uh, over Christmas. And during that time, we got engaged, and that was a big thing, and we just had a great time. It was a wonderful Christmas. Then on New Year's Eve, uh, Lori's folks for decades had been the volunteer youth leaders in their church and just invested in that. Uh, that So much work went into that. But they had an all-night activity, and, and I think I spoke, and then we did games, and we did all kinds of stuff all night long, and then about 4 a.m., we, we got in the car, I think it was a Volvo sedan, and we drove all the way back to Chicago to get to the airport to, for me to fly back to have a youth activity back at my place in, in California later that evening, and I was exhausted, but man, was it fun, and I remember thinking at that time, you know, God, you're doing some special things in my life right now, and you're leading and you have a plan, and it's, it seems like it, 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 it makes sense. And I remember 
coming to this awareness, nothing in life is as valuable as to be used by God according to His purpose. Let me say that again. When we come to this understanding of life, that nothing is as important, nothing is as valuable as to be used by God for His purposes. And when you start seeing that, life begins to come together and make sense. It's not about me, it's about God and His eternal purpose. In fact, I've been working on Ephesians 1. I have a daughter that's challenged me to memorize Ephesians 1, and we're working on that. And she said to me the other day, Dad, do you realize that in Ephesians, three times it talks about the purposes of God for our lives? So that's been on my mind. We all need to find our purpose. Each one of us, made in the image of God, is made on purpose for God's purposes. Follow this. In your times of distress, discover God's greatness and find your purpose. We'll move from asking, why is this happening to me, to who is God, and what does God want me to do for Him? It's a totally different focus. Instead of, woe is me, I don't like this, and we're all upset about how bad life is to us, we move from that to, wow, what a God we serve, and what does He want me to do? It changes the whole direction when you identify your purpose. I think it's so important that we do this. We find God's purpose for our lives. Most people don't, and they end up later in life feeling like they've wasted their lives. You know what I'm realizing in 2023? God's purpose for me is the exact same thing that it was in 1983. And I'm still excited and I'm pumped. I can't wait to see what God is going to do next because there's an eternal purpose. There's a reason for it all. By the way, I want us to see here in Psalm 57 how to discover that purpose. And, God, and this psalm will help us with that. And I also want to say this. Would you be ready at the end of this service? I, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask you to take a moment to write out your takeaway from what you realize from this Psalm 57. So be thinking about what it is that I'm going to ask you to take out your phone and put, put that into writing what it is that you're realizing from Psalm 57. This month is the beginning of the new year, obviously, January, but it's also our time to step back and spend a focused amount of time praying for God's leading for us as a people and for each one individually for God's leadership and direction for His purpose to unfold in our lives. So we take the month of January to focus on prayer. And as I said, I've, I've given you the book, we've given you the book, Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. And that's on purpose to help you be able to get uh, to the place where you're learning how to use the Scriptures in your prayer time. And I think it'll be a great thing. Again, as I said earlier, the focus isn't, oh, woe is me, I'm so bad, I'm, I'm a terrible prayer, to learning some methods of using the Scriptures to help us to be able to pray. And our text today is Psalm 57. And I want us to be able to pray this psalm. Do you notice it's a prayer? Psalm 57 is a prayer. Be merciful to me, O God. David, the psalmist, is speaking to God. It's a prayer. Have you ever noticed how most of the psalms are prayers? 
So if you're struggling to know what to pray, just open your Bible to the middle of your Bible, to the book of Psalms, and start reading and start praying that. And that's what you'll find in this book that, that is emphasizing how to pray the Scriptures, especially focusing on the Psalms. And as we look at Psalm 57, I want us to identify three prayer directives that we can use, or three ways that we can pray, the same way that David did here in Psalm 57. And I want to remember, remind us of this as well, that Hebrew poetry is different than our kind of poetry. Hebrew poetry is thought parallelisms or ideas that rhyme, not words. In American English, we think of words having to sound alike. Roses are red, violets are blue, my feet stink and so do you. I mean, you know, something like that. It's got to fit together, right? But that's not the way poetry is in, in Hebrew. It's ideas that click. Oh, I see that connection. So we're going to see several ideas that click here in this poetry that's a prayer. The first one is this. Pray acknowledging your hardship. Life is hard. It's going to be hard. David found himself in a hopeless situation. He was, he was on the run. He was, he was in hiding from Saul in a cave, possibly the cave of Adullam in 1 Samuel 22, or maybe in Engedi in 1 Samuel chapter 24. But this was something that had, had happened, and he was in trouble, and there was no way out. It was hopeless. Things looked bad. Have you ever been there? where it just seems hopeless. There's nothing that's going to change to make it better. You don't know what to do. You can't get out of the mess. Today we start a new year. And I don't know what the future will unfold for us, for you, for me. No man knows what a day may bring forth. It could be difficult. There may be hardships that we just don't know what to do with. Are you afraid of that? My son-in-law was in Africa for two weeks doing some ministry, teaching how to run camps in various places. And they were able to attend a, a service, and the people were sincere in their love for God and expression and praise the Lord. But the preacher got up and said, you know, you've all been through a very hard year, but this year is going to be better. And he was just convinced it's going to be better. And I do think we need to have a positive outlook, anticipating good things you know no good thing will the lord withhold from them that walk uprightly and we should walk uprightly but it may not necessarily go better it may be very hard you may find your place in that place that you're just stuck and there's no way out so what do you do then i hope you pray Quite possibly, you're going to find yourself in those difficult situations. And what do you do? You pray, just like David prayed. So pray like David here. Look at verse 1, Psalm 57, verses 1 and 2. Be merciful. Basically, he's saying, God, help. It's okay to pray that way. I call these, it's not original with me, but I call these messy prayers. Where th I just don't have any answer other than to just, just I don't know, I don't have words. But God, would you help? 
Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. Help me out of this situation. For in you, my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to you, God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Look how he describes this problem in verse 4. You see it? You see this in your scriptures there, verse 4. My soul is in the midst of lions. Ever been in a lion's den where you can't get away, can't get out? The problems are so bad. I lie down amid fiery beasts. And then he's describing the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. People can be cruel with their words. Look at verse 6. They set a net for my steps. They're, they're, trap, they're trying to trap me. My soul was bowed down. You ever cried that out? My soul is bowed down. I just, I, I, I can't get up. I'm depressed. They've dug a pit in my way. Lord, you know our days. You know how difficult things are. There's some folks here that are facing some hardship. There are folks that are listening that, that for a number of reasons can't get out right now because they're facing some hard times. And Lord, it's like, like there's no answer. But yet, God, we can cry to you. And we do. Even if it's a messy prayer, God, we cry out to you. Please help. Please, God, help. Sometimes we get to the place where we feel hopeless and our soul is bowed down and we can't get up. <coughs> We're depressed. Oh God, would you help? Sometimes we just don't even have words to know how to pray other than just to say, God, be merciful to me. Help me. Thank you, God, that you incline your ear unto our prayer and you hear our cry. You are an ever-present God who is always with us. We can cast all our care upon you knowing that you care for us. And you hear our cry. So, Lord, each one that's here today in their own heart is praying out right now. That cry to you of things they just don't know what to do, how to solve a problem, how to change a situation, how to how to endure, but God, would you help? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Pray your problems to God. He doesn't get tired to hear of hearing this. And your hardship, pray. Number two, pray in the midst of all that, emphasizing God's attributes. Have you noticed how over and over again in this passage, David talks about who God is? Look at verses 2 and 3, praying, emphasizing God's attributes. I cry to God most high, God most high, El Elyon, the strongest of the strong, my God. When we were in Africa a number of years ago, I just could not get over the singing of the people. And one of their favorite songs was, you are the most high God, Jehovah, you are the most high God. Are you convinced of God that way? Do you cry out to God this way as the one who is the strongest over all the trials, over all the things that don't make sense in life? He is the El Elyon. Abraham understood that truth, and so did Moses. 
And so did Nebuchadnezzar. They called out to El Elyon. I cry out to God most high. To God who fulfills his purpose or he completes me is the idea of that wording. You find your fulfillment. You find your completion, your understanding of what life is all about in God. He's the one who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven, from the sky, and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me, that one who has me trapped, that one who has me scared. God will send his, and here's a key word, two words you want to underline, steadfast love. God will send his steadfast love. Would you underline that right now in your Bible? Would you make that, highlight that in your text there or whatever? And you want to have the word in the margin or someplace where you can remember this. That word, steadfast love, is that, their word in Hebrew, H-E-S-E-D, hesed or chesed. And that's a word you're going to hear all over the place in the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms. This loyal love. I've said it often from this place, this pulpit, and I'll say it again. The most important thing you can get settled in your heart and your mind is that God loves you unconditionally forever. God loves you. Know that. He is steadfast in His love for you. Hang on to that. God loves you. I've noticed in life that there are all kinds of emotions that, that move us along. But it really can be boiled down to four basic emotions. Fear. Resentment slash anger or hopelessness. Which one? Oh, and there's one more, love. Which one of those four dominate your life? Fear? What's going to happen? Revenge? Anger? It's just not fair. Or hopelessness? I give up. It'll never change. But perfect love casts those out. And God's love is perfect. And He will always, 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 always love you. And He's proven that in the gospel and in the word and throughout all eternity. God is love. Look at verse 5. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Everything about life is all about you. Look at verse 10. For your steadfast love is great. This loyal love that you have for me is so great. It's to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. That word faithful, just as in verse 3, here in verse 10. That word faithful is our word, amen. This is true. You can count on it. That's our God. He is faithful. That changes the perspective, doesn't it? When you're looking at life's problems and everything that's going wrong. God loves me. God is faithful. Would you, I would encourage you over this next month or so, and you can do this, and there's a strategy in the book that you'll read that will help you do this, but you can read through the book of Psalms in one month just by reading five Psalms a day or, or glancing at them. But would you look how often you see that word steadfast love or hesed and the word faithfulness. How how often they go together. It's all over the place. 
Lord, remind us of who you are. You are our refuge. You do help us to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You are our protector. You provide. You give victory. You heal. There's nothing too hard for you. You are holy, holy, holy. You are majesty and glory. You are truth. And in all of these things, you are loyal in your love, steadfast, merciful. Great is your faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with you. You do not change. You do not fail. Your compassions are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We just want to say praise God for you, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Third, there's a connection here. Life's trials, God's attributes, God's purposes. Pray looking for God's purposes for your life. Look for God's purpose for you. And there is a purpose for you and why you're alive and breathing and your heart is pumping. So many children nowadays and teenagers just go through life wondering why, and they just, it's all about themselves and their satisfaction and their pleasures, and there's no, there's no purpose. And they don't have any goals in mind because nobody's ever challenged them to think about why it is God has you alive and, and what you can accomplish for His kingdom. Discover your purpose. And David, as he's going through a very hard time, remember, he's trapped in a cave, right? He's praying the attributes of God, but he's still thinking, so what's going on here? There's a reason for it all. Pray looking for God's purpose for your life. A thousand years after David lived in the New Testament, in fact, would you turn to Acts chapter 13? In your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 13. I want you to see this there. So this is what they knew about David a thousand years after David lived. Luke, in the book of Acts, included a, a, just a simple little statement here as, as he's describing Paul's sermon uh, to the believers in Antioch and describing the history of Israel and describing how, how the nation of Israel had turned their back on, on God's plan and God's Messiah and then he starts talking about David in verses 34 and 35. and verse 36, we read, When David had served God's purpose in his own generation. David served God's purpose. What was that purpose? And then he fell asleep. He passed away. We read in Psalm 138, verse 8. Again, a passage that you need to memorize and, and just think through. As David's working through a very hard time. David says at the end of that chapter, Psalm 138, verse 8, The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Okay, God, you're doing something here. I know you're going to fulfill your purpose for me. God has a purpose for you, every one of you. And He's going to use you. And remember I said there's nothing in life as great as to be used of God in His purpose. And as you discover His purpose in the midst of all the trials, you're focusing on who God is, you get that purpose in mind, there's an energy and there's a direction and there's a zeal for what God wants to do through you. 
David says here in Psalm 57, verse 2, he cries to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Do you see that? And this is where life is complete and where life makes sense. God fulfilling his purpose. No matter where you are in your life, God has a purpose for you in the days you have left. Early on, discover your purpose. As we get older, keep focused on that purpose. God has you here on purpose to do something for Him. Look at Psalm 57, verse 8. David says, Awake, my glory, awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. It's like David is having an epiphany. He's hitting his head like, oh, so this is what's going on. That's my interpretation. David here has discovered his purpose to make God known to the nations. Look at verse 9. Psalm 57, verse 9. This is the key to the whole chapter. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. So he's praying. And he's saying, I'm going to talk about how thankful I am, God. And I will sing praises to you among the nations. That's huge. David, as the king of Israel, is making God known to all the nations. That's his purpose. Now, God's purpose for you may not look exactly as God's purpose for David. But it's going to be part of the same story. David was in that place on purpose. And and even though he was going through this time of, I don't know what's going to do. How am I going to get out of this mess? He's focusing on who God is. And he knows that God has made him to be the king, yet to be. Saul is still chasing him. But he knows God's plan is unfolding. God has a purpose. And it's to make God known to the nations. The reason for Israel's existence was that the nations might see the gospel that God had promised in the coming Messiah. Their job, Israel's job, was to represent the true God to all the world around that they would know that there's hope for salvation, that God would send a Redeemer. He promised the Messiah to come, and He was going to keep His promise. That was their job. And David was to lead the charge as the king about making known to the rest of the nations that God was God alone, and He loved them and was going to provide salvation. That's the point of the Gospel. That's the point of the Bible. And God had promised Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, in thee shall all the nations or all the families of the earth, what? Be blessed. God would use this nation of Israel to make known to all the other nations how they could have this connection with God that was giving them hope for eternal life and forever and the reason for their lives. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, In these shall all the families in the earth be blessed. And we read in Genesis 17 that God had told Abraham that kings shall come out of thee. And David was of that lineage. And David was that king. And David's purpose was to let the nations know of God's promised blessing. Sadly, later in his life, he lost that focus. Don't let that happen to you. Sadly, the nation of Israel walked away from that purpose and lost their reason for existence. 
Don't let that happen to you. David was just an average guy, just a shepherd boy. And though he had hard times he had to face, he discovered who God was in the midst of it all, and he identified with what God wanted him to do. All of us have those people that leave that indelible mark. Let me share with you the story of one who did that for me. Bill Steese. An average guy with a great God who discovered his purpose for life. Bill was just a normal Midwestern boy. He married his high school sweetheart. He came to know Christ as his Savior at a Hyman Appleman evangelistic meeting in Freeport uh, when he was just 16 years old, Freeport, Illinois. He had a strong work ethic and just a simple high school education. And with an entrepreneurial spirit, he started several businesses and worked very hard. And God blessed he and his wife with two children, a boy and a girl. Something happened, though, around the age of 27 that changed the direction of his life. Actually, two things happened. Bill and Jan uh, had two other couples that were about their age that were close friends and an older couple that were kind of their mentors. And these three couples and this older couple became convinced that they were supposed to start a church in a small town where they lived. It began first in a living room of, of one of the families that was there, the older couple, and eventually it moved to the upstairs of the post office, which is just a <laughs> just kind of a warehouse kind of setting upstairs. But three couples that worked together. Three young couples. Three young couples. The other thing that happened was they got into this routine of reading the Bible every day using the daily bread. Actually, the way that started is this guy shows up at the door. He's a door-to-door salesman. He's a college kid selling Bibles. Family, the big family Bible thing. And Jan, being a soft touch to that kind of thing, she said, okay, I'll buy it. And Bill comes home, and there's this big Bible sitting on the table. What are we going to do with that? And he decided, if we're going to have a big Bible at our table, we ought to be reading that. So they started reading the daily bread along with that. By the time I got into the picture, that Bible was falling apart. How many of you have ever seen a family Bible that was falling apart? Well, it's just because every day they would go do that routine. But at 27, when he and his friends started that church in Shannon, Illinois, he became very convinced of what his purpose was. And for 60 years, he stayed loyal to that purpose, to make the Lord Jesus known through his local church to his community. And you could count on it. If the doors were open, he was there because that was his purpose. It wasn't that he had to be, but that, that's what life was all about. He was there. In fact, we would laugh off and he would come here to see us. <laughs> But he'd head home on Saturday. Why don't you just stay around? I'm preaching. Huh? I don't know that he really liked me preaching. but <laughs> I don't know. I think he did. Well, he never really said that. But, uh, but he, uh, he would always have to go home. Because I've got to be in my church. He was loyal to that. They sacrificed. They gave. They served. And over time, that church grew and God blessed Eventually, that little church grew to averaging 240 people on, on a Sunday over a number of years in a town of 800 people. And they were serving the Lord through their church 
because that was God's purpose. And they figured out ways to make God known through that local church. A month ago, at 88 years old, Bill entered heaven's glory. That day finally came. He was looking forward to it. Amazingly, one after another, we started hearing stories that people were saying. An 80-year-old man stood up in church the Sunday after Bill went to glory and told the story of the day that Bill showed up at his house to share the gospel. He had been a drunk, drinking a lot. He was just out with the parties and with the, the cattle shows and so forth. And that was his life, and it was going bad. And, but that day, Larry and his wife, and eventually his son and three daughters, and eventually their families, they became followers of Christ. Now they're in the third generation of followers. Another man stood up and said, Mr. Bill led me to Christ as a teenager when he was leading the youth group. That man is now 65 and still living for the Lord. Others spoke about how they discovered that their college bill had been paid. They didn't know who did it, but after searching around a little bit, they finally figured out, oh, it was Bill and Jan. That happened over and over and over again. A number of people told story about, stories about how Bill and Jan took them into their home, teenagers, when there was no one else, nowhere else to go. It was foster care before foster care was a thing. Another family that was doing some foster care faced a horrible tragedy dealing with their own foster care experience. And most people were kind of shunning them. Yet, during that time, Bill repeatedly just showed up at their house to talk with them, to pray with them, to process what to do next. And they said they could have never made it through without that care during the darkest times. That was his calling. That was his purpose. People mentioned how he did whatever was necessary to help the church go forward, including leading the singing, even though he was tone deaf. Everybody else sang louder so they didn't have to listen to him. He and his wife became a community icon uh, as they played Silly Willie and Millie in the Bible school skit that they ran every year. And it was hilarious. They'd sit on the second row of church always. That's just what they did. Men spoke of meeting with Bill on Tuesday mornings for coffee and being mentored. And up until the very last... Tuesday, that was going on. Went on for decades. Others spoke of hospitality, others of helps, getting them to doctor's appointments and so forth. It's just what churches did for each other. One young mom shared with us this story. As she was entering the church building before church with her family on the the last Sunday that Bill was there, uh, they saw Bill leaving. He was coming out of the church as they were going in. And, and he mentioned as he went out, oh, Howard called. He needs a ride to church. Howard lived 10 miles away and didn't have a way to get to church. And so Bill was heading out to bring this kid, guy back to church. The young mom then shared that her 10 or 11-year-old son spoke up as Bill was walking out. And they were walking into church. said, Mom, Mr. Bill... He really is the MVP of Shannon Baptist Church, isn't he? At 88 years old. Do you want to live a meaningful life? And at the end of your life, 
still be making a difference? Find your God-given purpose within your church family and keep on doing it until you go to glory. Find your purpose within your church family of glorifying the name of Jesus Christ. No longer, now, God is not done with the nation of Israel, all right? But now we have the church. Our job is to represent God and His glory and Jesus Christ well to this community. And we can do that together. And we better do that together and keep on working on that together. We'll make a difference. As you pray, discover that God has given you a purpose. You are going to face hardships, insurmountable. Pray your way through that. Along the way, you're going to be learning some truths of God's greatness and His glory and His his attributes. Pay attention and pray that back to God. God doesn't need to hear that to know about it, but it's our way of connecting with what we know is true about God. And then along the way, keep your eyes open, identifying what it is that God wants you to do for Him. And the best way to find that is to serve God in your local church. We're going to expand on that in the weeks ahead as we pray together what God has for us as a body of believers in this month of emphasis on prayer, 2023. Let's pray. I'm going to ask that the pianist come and start just playing a hymn that we'll be singing here in just a moment. But as you're praying, I'd like you to pull out your phone and I want you to text me your takeaway. This is what I want to remember about this Sunday, the first Sunday of 2023. And maybe 10 years from now, maybe 40 years from now, you'll remember God's purpose for your life and you're still doing it. What is it that God is emphasizing in your life right now about His purpose from Psalm 57?